How's everybody doing out there? Great. Everybody uh, cool enough out there? There's some popsicles still back there, I think. James, we're still good on those. And some ice water back there, so feel free to uh, get up and get it if it gets too hot. Um, use anything that you have to be waving some air your direction. Um, we've had a lot of wind over the last few weeks, but right now it's got just a little bit of a breeze coming through here, and so hopefully that'll keep it as cool as possible for you guys. Um, I'm sitting out here, actually, or standing out here thinking about just, I mean, it's warm, right? And it's uh, 80 degrees, something like that right now, pretty humid. But as I was sitting over there, I was thinking about our brothers and sisters around the world um, that have to travel miles. Um, to go and hear the good news of the gospel, who face persecution and trials in order to go hear uh, the gospel preached, and who sit in huts or sit in fields where the temperature or the atmosphere is not what they would like in any degree or any stretch of the imagination. And for all intents and purposes, it just isn't comfortable. And, and, I, and I thought over there, and I thought, like, good, like, God, I'm just so glad that in our life, you've never called us to be comfortable. There, there's something about cultural Christianity that happens when you've been around the church for a while and you settled in. You get comfortable with, uh, historically, we got comfortable with our pew, right? And then uh, we can name our pew. We knew where our pew was. And if somebody was in our pew, we'd say, get out of my pew. And like all grace would go out the window at that point because you needed your pew. And, and then at some point, like we brought in some cushion seats, uh, you know, historically in the church and, uh, and said, well, that's much more comfortable. And so we, we like that. And then we brought in air conditioning and air conditioning made us comfortable. And, and we just do a lot of things that are comfortable. And I'm, and I'm not like trying to bash on our Christianity um, by, by any means, um, because we are blessed with the things that we have. But when we strip it all down, we remove a building, we take the walls away, we take the, the roof away, we take the air conditioning away, like we are still here to worship our Lord and our Savior. We're still here joining with our brothers and sisters in Christ to magnify and glorify the name of Christ. We're still joined with our brothers and sisters who are gathered around the world who are in uncomfortable situations as well. And, and so I, like, as I was standing over there, I, I felt like the Lord needed to remind me of that. Because it's, it's hot, right? It's humid. And we've been feeling that all week. But as we're gathered right now, like, I think we can endure some heat. We can endure some sun in order for us to hear from the Lord and be gathered together as brothers and sisters. And so with that, I want us uh, to pray. And then we'll jump into what God has for us this morning. Lord, you are so good. You're so good. And you've blessed us in so many amazing ways ways that we just absolutely do not deserve, but yet you've chosen to uh, do it anyway. And so uh, we're thankful for that. And uh, uh, as we're gathered here, Lord, we're just fully expecting that you're going to do uh, a work uh, in us um, so that you might be able to do a work through us. I pray that as we've all come here, uh, none of us would walk away the same. Father, I am fully convinced that no matter what I say this morning, and I'm, I'm going to try to be as true as I can to what you've given me, to say, but no matter what I say, I believe your Holy Spirit's at work and you have something for each one of us. There's, there's a reason why everybody is sitting in this parking lot on this day uh, after the four together in the space. So would you do a work that only your spirit can do, I pray in Jesus' name, and uh, use my mouth to glorify you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So uh, that being said, I, I want to try to keep it as simple as we can this morning. Okay? Is everybody okay with trying to keep it simple? Man, I feel like you guys are like a mile away from me. Like, you know, the rule is six feet, right? Like, like six, not, not 65 feet right now, but you guys are way back there. Um, but I, I want to try to keep it as simple as we can. And so I'm just going to give you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang everything off of this statement this morning. Okay? So we are blessed to be a blessing. 
We're blessed to be a blessing. Everything that you have in your life, the grace that you've been given by God, the relationship that you have with him, the material blessings that you have, your family, your job, your toys, your car, your money, everything that you have is, is a blessing from God. We are blessed to be blessed, a blessing to other people. Everything that we have, the good news is to some degree it's for us, right? To some degree it's for us, but at the same time it's not just for us. Everything that you've been blessed with, God has given that to you, but it's not just for you. Everything you have has been given to you to bless you and for you to enjoy. And then as you enjoy it, to pour that out on the lives of others. So that at the end of the day, the Lord is the one who's ultimately being glorified. So everything that we have and everything that you have is for you. But at the end of the day, it's not just for you. You're blessed to be a blessing. I was reading in Matthew uh, 5 this week, and I got to the section where uh, Jesus talks to us about being uh, salt and light, right? And I got a little bit of salt, and I've got a little bit of uh, light up here with me. Does anybody still have these mag lights sit sitting around? Um, it's actually pretty warm to touch as I grabbed it here. Uh, but Jesus tell, he says these words, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then shortly after that, he says that you are the light of the world. And we can go on and on and on trying to think about, you know, what does it mean to be salty? What does it mean to be a light or to shine your light so that people can see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven? Like we can go through and we can talk about all these different ways. But when Jesus was talking about being salt and when he was talking about being light, he was pointing to a plan that he and the Father had had all the way back to the very beginning, right? All the way back to the very beginning of creation. He was talking about us being a blessing, he was talking about us being a blessing to people who would turn around then and be a blessing to other people. And when all of that was happening, at the end of the day, God would be glorified to be salt and light. And if we were being salt and if we were being light, at the end of the day, God was being glorified. It was bless people, blessing other people. Jesus was only doing what had been done from the very beginning. He was repeating the kingdom agenda that he and the Father had always put together. You who have tasted what is good, you have tasted and seen what is good. You have experienced the salt of the Lord that has made you thirsty for more. Go and shake that salt all around the world. Go and be little grace dispensers, little salt shakers all over the place so that you can make other people thirsty for the Lord. And those of you who have had light lit on your path that has illuminated the way for you to understand and to know who God is, you go and do the same that's been done for you. You take your light, you let your shine amongst men so that they might see your good works in order that they might glorify God who is in heaven. It's the kingdom agenda that God's always had from the beginning. It was blessed people blessing other people. It was salt and it was light. And, and, and here's what God has done all throughout history. Uh, sometime after the flood, God took a man named Abraham, as, or Abram, who would, he in turn, who would turn Abraham later, and he blessed Abraham, right? He blessed him. And this wasn't any, like, it wasn't because Abraham was good. It was actually in spite of him being good. He was actually a pagan who was full of all kinds of idol worship. And, and so God didn't choose him because he had all the right answers, because he was doing all the right things. He chose him actually in spite of that. And he brings Abraham and he says, you know what? I'm going to bless you. And as I bless you, you are going to be a light to the nations, or you're going to be a blessing to the nations. You're going to go, and you're going to be salt, and you're going to be light to all the nations around. And, and here's what I think being a blessing meant. There, there, what, what I think God meant by being a blessing was there were two different blessings. 
One day, God was actually going to be their God, right? And in and, and, and a pluralistic and a pagan society where everybody's kind of doing what was right in their own eyes, God says, I am going to be your God. And not only am I going to be your God, but I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to give you the gift of my presence to carry with you from place to place to place. And then there was a second piece of the blessing, too, that was that God was going to bless them materially as well. Yeah, like Actually, not, not like today's prosperity gospel blessing, but he said, I'm going to bless you materially as well. But here, here's the catch. The catch for them, it was that this blessing was for them. They were to enjoy the presence of God. They were to enjoy the material blessings that God had given them, right? They were to enjoy being like, like having children. Like they were to enjoy being a mama and a daddy. They were to enjoy being grandma and grandpa mode. They, they were meant to enjoy that space from generation to generation to generation. They were meant to enjoy the blessings of ripe fields for harvest. So like if you were to go out to a restaurant and you were to have a, a good medium cooked steak, like that would be enjoying the blessing of God. And then to pair it with a good drink to go along with that as well, that would be enjoying the blessing of God. And he said, I'm also, I'm going to give you favor in the land. And so I'm going to put a fear amongst you in the lands. I'm going to give you a land and where you go, people are going to hear about me and they're going to, they're going to be afraid of you. They're, they're going to realize that I am your God and that I am with you. And so the blessing of God, the fact that he was with them and the fact that he was blessing them materially, both of those were to be fully enjoyed by them. But although this was for them, it wasn't just for them. You, you see how this works? Everything that they had, the presence of God, the material blessings, it was to bless them, but it was also to bless the nations around them so that people would know the beautiful name of God and so that they would want this God over any other God in the land. So they would be willing to give up idol worship in order to follow this God. They were blessed to be a blessing and they were blessed to be salt and light in the world. Now, Usually in uh, the summer, uh, our kids love to swim. Any, any kids out there just love swimming throughout the summer? Yeah, nobody? Okay, a couple, couple, couple adult kids too. I appreciate it. Yeah, like our, our kids love to, to go swimming. And we don't have a pool, and so uh, usually we get some type of membership uh, here in town. And we go like all summer long. This is what our kids do. Like if, we did, if there wasn't water available, I don't know what I would do. Well, this summer was kind of interesting, right? Or it is kind of interesting. And so all the pools in our area are closed. And so I'm like, dad mode, and Ashley's like, mom, like, what on earth are we going to do for the next few months? Like, what are our kids going to do? And, and so we're kind of freaking out, and, and we're like, okay, we got to do something uh, about this. And so I started looking around. I was like, I'm, I'm going to try to find a, a, an above-ground pool to throw up in the backyard, and just hopefully something will work out, you know? And it turns out everybody else in America and around the world thought about the exact same thing. And, and so trying to, you probably bought the pool that I was looking for, um, but like we, we were looking, we looked at Target, nothing. Looked at Walmart, nothing. We looked on Amazon, nothing. We looked on eBay, and we found some stuff on eBay. We, we, on Amazon, we actually we found some third-party people too. And, and so this, this little backyard pool that we were looking to throw up in the backyard, like maybe 300 bucks or so at Walmart, you could get third-party-wise on eBay or on Amazon for like 1,300 bucks. And I was like, uh-uh, that's not happening. I'm too cheap to go pay 1300 bucks for a pool that, like, you know, it, may, it might last for the summer, it may not last for the summer. And so I'm like, okay, we've got to do something here. And so my mom, 
she uh, works at Walmart. She works at Walmart in Ohio. And so I called my mom. I said, hey, mom, this is your son, the one that you love. Okay. <laughs> and, and I said, hey, do you, do you think that you can uh, get me a pool? Like, I'll pay for it and everything, but do you think you can get it? She's like, um, Anthony, I, it doesn't matter how much I love you. I cannot get you a pool. Because every time the truck comes in, like, there are people who are waiting in line to get these pools. I'm like, this is ridiculous. We live in America. We should be able to get anything we want, whatever we want. And, and, and so uh, she's like, I can't. I was like, hey, could you just try? She's okay, I'll, I'll try. Well, uh, long story short, um, she was able to procure uh, a, a pool uh, there one day. And she said, hey, I've got one. Do you want me to buy it? I said, absolutely, I want you to buy it. And, and so uh, I was like, I'll, I'll pay you back. And so she bought it. And so I was expecting that she was going to ship it to me. Okay. Well, this thing was 188 pounds. And so you couldn't ship it normal. Everything was expensive freight. And so it was going to cost about 700 bucks to 1200 bucks, depending on how you send it to actually get it here. So we had a dilemma. What am I going to do to go get this pool? And, and so I said, listen, if you, if, if you buy the pool, I will come and, and I will drive and I will pick it up. I'll pick it up. I'll throw it in the car and I'll come, I'll come back. And she said, you're going to do that? I said, yeah, I, I'll do that. And so I did. I, I, uh, a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess, I got in the car. I drove to Ohio, threw the, uh, the pool in the back of the car, and, and, and came home. We set it up in the backyard. And uh, it was feeling nice. And Ashley and I looked at each other, and I was like, this is a huge blessing to us. Right? A little four-foot pool. And I'm like, this is a huge blessing. But at the same time, this is not just for us. Like, there are all kinds of kids on our street who need to be swimming. And so our, our, uh, our kids put out the APB, man, and, and like in seconds, our whole yard was filled with all the neighborhood kids down in our street. And now from like 10 o'clock in the morning on, people are ringing on our, do our doorbell to come in and swim. And, and, and we just looked at it like this. God has blessed us to be a blessing. So if you're hot out there and you want to go swim, just stop at our house. Just make sure it's after 10 o'clock to make sure everybody's awake in the house, okay? They'll come be waking up babies and stuff. So if... But we just thought, man, like we were blessed by this in order to be a blessing to other people. Now, I know that God's blessing wasn't about a swimming pool, okay? Like, I, I get that totally. But this was the idea that God had about using everything that we have, everything that he has blessed us with in order to invite, invite people into his pool of grace, right? We're to use everything that we have to invite people into the blessing that he's given us so that he might bless others so that God receives glory whether it's a pool whether it's a job whether it's a lunch that's delivered our finances whether you've been blessed materially or not to use everything that god has given us so i want you to think about this as you sit out here in in the heat right what has god blessed you with what, what, what is it like you look in your life and like this is a tangible expression of god's love for me in my life right now whether it be the person of Christ in your life or just maybe a material blessing. Like, what has he blessed you with that you could be blessing others with so that it might point people ultimately to the one who deserves all the glory in the end? You see, Israel, they ran into a little bit of a snag uh, throughout uh, the Old Testament, though. Uh, they weren't sharing the blessing that God had given them. They weren't sharing the grace that they had received from God. They weren't being salt and light. They were actually, they were bucking against God's kingdom agenda so that, uh, in order to reach the world. They weren't actually being a blessing at all to anybody uh, around them. And, and, in, and here's what they were doing. Instead of sharing God with others the way that God had told them, and instead of being a blessing to the people around them, they said, no, no, he's our God. 
He's ours. We deserve him. You don't deserve him. You're too bad to have him. He is just the God of Israel. And instead of using the blessings that God had given them as far as their, their finances and their families and their food, instead of being a blessing to others around them, they held it all to themselves. They, they, they were taking God's blessings without using it for his purposes. Think about that. They were taking the blessing of God and leaving the purpose for the blessing sitting on the side. And, and, I, and I, I think this happens to us from time to time. Right? I, I think what happens is we, like when God starts to, to freely bless us, and we start to feel that in our lives, there seems to be this point in which like we somehow begin to act like we deserve it. Like, like God owed that to me. Like, God, because I have, you need to. Because I've been faithful or because I haven't cheated or because I've given or because, like, we start to go through all this and, like, we feel like God owes this to us or we deserve for God to bless us in this way. Like, God looked at us one day and was like, you know what, dang, they've been really good this year. Almost like Santa Claus, right? Like, they've been really good and because they've been really good this year, I think I'm going to maybe give them a little extra of myself. I'm going to be a little more present in their lives. Or because they've been really good this year, I'm going to give them a few presents. I'm going to drop some things. I'm going to drop some gifts. I'm going to drop some blessings into their world so that it might remind them of me, so they might remember me. I think sometimes we get to the point where we just neglect the idea that and God is a holy God. He's beyond any comparison. There's nothing we can compare him to. And he decided in his goodness and his mercy and his grace to simply bless us, not because of anything we added to the table, not because we brought something extra special to the family, but because of his goodness and his mercy and his grace, because of who he is in our life. Not because of our potential now, not because of our potential later, but because of who he is. So that we could be a blessing to others. So that we could be salt. So that we could be light. And Israel had gotten into this place where they were just kind of falling into this, you owe us, we deserve this, you are ours, nobody else gets you. And then you have a psalm writer who comes along in Psalm 67 and says words very specifically to those within Israel, to his brothers and sisters. And as we read the words, he says these words to us as well. He addresses this issue of taking God's blessings and disconnecting it from his purposes. And so I want you to look at Psalm 67 real quick. And here, here's what the psalm writer says. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And then there's this word Selah. Verse 2. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. And there's that Selah again. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, here in verse 1, there's a blessing that comes from the book of Numbers. See, any time that somebody needed a reminder of God's goodness and not their own, um, be, being able to pull themselves together, and they need to be reminded of his goodness, that he can take people who don't deserve anything and give them everything, completely undeserving of his grace, completely undeserving of his mercy, and, and their inability to choose him. 
He says, come to me and I'm going to bless you. And so he set up this blessing by the priests in Numbers. And they would go to the priest and the priest would say this blessing over them. And he would say, may God be gracious to you and bless you and make his face to shine upon you. And then he would add this little piece at the end and, and, and let him give you peace as well. And with the blessing, they would be reminded of whose they are, not just what they do, but they would be reminded of whose they are, who's given them what, so that they could go out and be a blessing to the world and the nations around them, fulfilling the kingdom agenda of God, right? And look at the end of verse 1 here. There's that little, pray, that little, that little pause, this little word selah, in the musical notes of the Psalms, it was a musical pause. It meant that as the reader was reading or as the singer was singing or as, the, as the, the, the player was playing, that when they saw this little pause, that they were to stop long enough to slow down for a minute to ponder what the next line was going to be, to think about what was just said. And so the psalmist here, he's saying, hold on for a second. Don't go past this too fast. There's something coming that I want you to understand. We know that we've been blessed by God, but slow down. Let's not forget why he's chosen to bless us. Everything that we have is for us, but it's not just for us. Verse 2, these words in verse 2 might be the, uh, these first two words in verse 2 might be the most important words of this psalm. Maybe even the most important words that you hear this morning. It was definitely the most important thing that this psalm writer was pointing us to because he was giving us the why of the blessing. Why does God choose to bless people? Why does he choose to give them stuff and even himself? Here's the why, verse 2. So that, so that you may be known on earth your saving power among all nations. I want you to let those two words sink in. So that, that's the reason why. But then the following words. That your name may be known. Not, not my name known. Not our collective name known. Not our business name known. Not our family name known. But that you may be known on the earth. Your saving power among all the nations. Th these words, so that, they point to purpose. Every time you see so that or that coming in in connection with a purpose clause... The very next words are going to give you the reason when it comes to Scripture. So that always is pointing us in the right direction. These words tell us that there is a purpose for God's blessing here. And it's for us. The blessing is for us, but it's not just for us. Well, if it's not just for us, then what's it for? Verse 2, again, that God's way, His kingdom agenda might be known on earth. And so that the nations might know. Not just to simply bless us. Not so that our 401k might be full. Not so that our yard might look nice. Not so that we have everything that we ever desired. But so that the nations might know about the great and strong salvation of God. All nations. But I just, like, I was thinking about this the week and I thought, man, if I'm just being honest, man, I struggle with this. I struggle with this just like Israel struggled with this. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one that would struggle with this. Because I think sometimes, like, I like having God, right? I like having Him with me. I like having Him with, like, I, I love the presence of Him with me. And I like having the, 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 like, the material stuff that comes along with it. I like Jesus plus some stuff. I like God plus some things. But in my own heart, and, and, and just see if you're in there with me. 
I'm prone to take the blessings of God and to disconnect it from his purpose. I'm prone to think, like, thank you, God, for that, and just to hang on to it. Like, thank you for building up my account. Thank you for blessing my family. Thank you for my kids. Thank you that everything has worked out. I'm prone like, to like, just pull it all in for myself and to disconnect it from God's purposes. But everything we have that we have that we think is for us isn't just for us. It's for more than us. And so that the nations might be blessed and so they might know the goodness and the salvation of God. There are scholars who study this kind of thing. They know how many um, ethnic groups are around the world. They, they know how many different, uh, uh, different um, uh, languages are around the world, the world. And these scholars say that there's about 1,100 different ethnic groups around the world. And, and, and depending on how you study and how you slice this down, it's different amongst different folks. But around 1,100 uh, different people groups and, or ethnic groups around the world that are separated by a common language and cultural characteristics, right? And out of those 1,100 ethnic groups, 2 billion, let me say that again, 2 billion people have never heard of the precious name of Jesus. 2 billion. That should do something in your heart. That should do something in, inside of you. And this isn't because people have heard the name of Jesus and they've rejected him. That they've heard about him and they've just said, ah, that's not what I want in my life right now. This is two billion people who've never heard of the precious name of Jesus that can bring salvation to them. Two billion. Uh, I think this is going to sting for a second because it stung for me when I read this. But one of the, the main reasons that two billion people around the world have never heard the name of Jesus is because we've taken the blessings of God We've enjoyed the pool of grace. We've enjoyed the, uh, the, the pool of grace and we've splashed around in the pool of grace. But we've never invited people in to swim in the pool of grace with us. We've disconnected the blessing of God from the purpose of those blessings. We've taken away the so that. So that the nations may know. And so that the nations may glorify God who's in heaven. I want you to picture these next few verses in verses 3 and 5. I want you to try to put yourself in this scenario. Verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. And then he says the exact same thing again. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And this is supposed to be a picture of all of the world gathering from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, praising the name of God. Can you imagine all this happening around you? Imagine if that were to happen right now in our lifetime, where we got to see the majestic name of Jesus being praised amongst every nation, every tongue, every tribe. We've been blessed to be a blessing, to be soul, to be light to the world around us. So that this very thing in verse 3 through 5 can happen. The, the first time that uh, I went to India, I got to see a, a glimpse of 3 through 5. I got to see a picture of, of uh, nations that I had never known praising the, the Lord with their mouths. Uh, we flew in, I got picked up from the airport, and I remember driving around, uh, as, 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 and as we drove, I looked around, and you, everywhere you look you can see temples. Everywhere you look you can see people bowing down to idols. 
Everywhere you look, like man, it just, you can feel the darkness of what's going on around you. People worshiping gods who had never created anything, worshiping gods that, was ne- that were never able to actually be present with anyone. Just meaningless worship every, everywhere you look. And when I saw that, man, my heart just sunk. But then we went to this, uh, one of the worst slums in Mumbai. And uh, our, our, uh, our friends took us into this room that was um, probably no larger than many of your kitchens in your, in your house. Took us into to the house and uh, when we are into the room and we, when I walked in, there, this room, this hot, dark, dingy room was just crowded with arms high up in the air, just praising the Lord in their native tongue. I didn't understand the thing that they were saying, but you could see by the joy in their face and the light in their eyes that they were praising a God who had given them life because somebody who had invited them to swim in the pool of grace for them. And they were just arms stretched out, singing out to the Lord. And then we went to other places throughout India. And everywhere we went, everywhere, there were brothers and sisters in Christ who were crying out, just loudly praising God in their native tongue. And it was amazing. And I actually felt Psalm 67 for the first time. I actually felt it was palpable to me that the nations were being blessed because others had been inviting them to swim in the pool of grace. It was Revelation 5. It was Revelation 7. It was a picture of sitting around the throne and worshiping God. For us, it's Matthew 5, right? It's salt, it's light. It's Matthew 28, going out and making disciples. It's Acts 1, 8. It's being witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's our mission. RCC, our body, this place, not this building, but RCC as a people group, a local church gathered together under the name and the banner of Christ. That's always been our mission, right? Our mission has always been to help people find Jesus. And to help people find Jesus and experience true life in Him. That's been the goal. And, 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 we, and what we've been saying is that we want to be people who don't just like hang on to comfort, but hang on to God's mission. That we'll put His mission over our comfort any day of the week, no matter what it looks like. And that doesn't always look like flying over the sea. It doesn't always look like landing in places like India or China or Africa or Uzbekistan, like it doesn't always look like that at all. It often looks like us realizing that I have been blessed in order to be a blessing. That I have Christ in order to share Christ. That I've been enjoying the pool of grace and it's time for me to start inviting other people over to enjoy the pool of grace with me. That I don't get to just keep this blessing to myself, that we share this blessing with people around us. It's us being salt and it's us being light. But two billion people just seems so big, doesn't it? Two billion people seems like there's no way that we can make a dent in that. You know, there are 329 million people in the United States. That brings the number down a little bit, but that just still seems way too big, doesn't it? In Nebraska, there are 1.9 million, somewhere in that range. That brings the number down even that much more. Do you know how many people we have in Ashland? We have somewhere around 4,000-ish, depending on what the census is going to give out here, uh, here soon. 4,000 people, that brings the number down, and it almost feels manageable. When you look on your street, how many people live on your street? When you look at your workplaces, how many people live in your workplace? Or not live in your workplace, but work in your workplace. When you think about your family, how many people are in your family? When you start bringing that number down, it becomes much more manageable for the people around us. God has blessed you. And he has blessed you to be a blessing to the 4,000 people that, look, that, that live and work out here. Or the, uh, however many people who live in your family or, or on your street. But you have to think about your life again. 
How has God blessed you? How does God want to use the blessing in your life to bless other people around you? I'm going to ask you to do something that, that feels a little awkward, especially if you're, if you're new around here. I met a few new people this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something that, that might feel a little strange, okay? I'm going to ask you to stand up with me real quick, okay? Don't buck against it, I mean, because I'll call you out. Go ahead, and, go ahead and stand up. Yeah, it feels good anyway, doesn't it? Like your back feel a little slimy right now? Turn, go ahead and turn around. Turn around and face that direction. Right now, you're sta staring towards Ashland proper. Even in Sabre Heights, Sabre Heights has been annexed here recently. You look to the left, you've got Soresco, Wahoo, and all those areas that go out there. You look to the right, who knows what's to the right, right? You've got Lincoln, and I'm not great with directions. Greenwood. Greenwood. But directly in front of you, there are around 4,000 people that are waiting to be blessed by you. There are 4,000 people that are waiting for you to fulfill the mission that's given by the scriptures and fulfill the mission of just helping people find Jesus and helping them to experience true life in him. There are 4,000 people or more that are within our, within our reach. It's not, it's not 2 billion, but it's 4,000 right here in our backyard. And the Lord, in his own words, has said, go be salt there, be light there. The psalmist here says, man, like, use the blessings that you've been given. May his grace shine upon you. May, may his face shine upon you. May he give us peace so that we might go out into what you're looking at right now. To be salt. To be light. To be somebody who's been blessed so much with a pool of grace. To invite people into your pool of grace as well. I want to I want to challenge you to not just swim by yourself. I want to challenge you to invite some people into the pool. And I know that's hard, but it's going to take us disconnecting ourselves from the idea that blessing is just for us. It is for us, but it's for what you're looking at right now. For the people in Ashland, for the people in Wahoo and Soresco, Lincoln, Greenwood. And you just keep going out from there. You go out till you get to the stage. You go out till you get across the water. And that's, and that's what God's called us to do. But it's as easy as being somebody who's been blessed by God to go and be a blessing to others. Would you pray with me? Father, nothing that we've done this morning is pretty. Nothing that we've done has been for our own glory. But this is all for you. All, I mean, failed words, failed attempts. Like, God, even us getting out of bed and showing up, like, this is all for you. I don't want any glory of this to be for us. But we want to be people who understand that we've been blessed to bless others. And so that your name might be glorified. So that people might know your son, Jesus. We're just not okay with two billion people not knowing who you are. And so whatever you need to do in our heart this morning, Father, would you do it? Whatever you need to do to pry our hands off of our stuff, to think that that's what we live for, and that we settle with a Christianity that says, God bless me and I'm okay with that. Like, do whatever you need to do to change our heart, to change our mind, and to go towards the people you called us to. We pray that you would bless us. But that we wouldn't disconnect it from the so that. 
Bless us so that we can reach the nations. Give us your spirit. Give us your passion. Bless us with your desire. Bless us with things that we haven't even prayed for. And Lord, I promise to the best of my ability as a leader here that we'll drive it forward for you. And we won't take anything back from it. Like it will be all for you. And as a people, as the psalmist cried out, Lord, bless us so that, so that the nations may know. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.